the pandemic, civil unrest, protest, and the road to the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Folks, we have made it to Friday. It's a beautiful day. It should be a, a nice Columbus Day weekend. Hey, I want to remind you and encourage you this weekend, today, stop by Rhode Island's number one garden center, PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. They've had a tremendous season. You know, I am just so blown away at the quality they have, the service, anyone that goes there. It's not your, it may be your first time, but it certainly is not going to be your last time. It's Steve and Debbie and Junior and Byron. And right now, they have straw, corn stalks. Sugar pumpkins, carving pumpkins, the biggest pumpkins. What a display. Gourds, large and small, beautiful fall arrangements and crafts. You know, maybe if you're going to see, stop by and see some family over the over the weekend, why not get a nice fall arrangement? Or uh, some Mums and Kelly, uh, Kayla right there at PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Rhode Island's number one garden center. Easy to get to, right off of Route 4, 3688. Quaker Lane in North Kingstown. And again, look for them on Facebook. They have a beautiful Facebook page, so vibrant, full of colors. And also look for them online, prmaterials.shop. This Columbus Day weekend, stop by PR Landscape Materials in Garden Center. Folks, we have a lot we're going to get to on this Friday, but I, I want to touch on, you know, people are so discouraged and upset with the situation with the media. And I think this is a good, what, what I'm about to illustrate for you is a perfect example of it. Now we're going to cover a lot today. I do want to wrap up this uh, case that we've been covering all week. Really it's, it's the Jeff Britt trial. I don't expect you to know who he is and he's a complete coward. Didn't even take the stand yesterday, which is embarrassing. Did not even take the stand in his own defense. This is guy has been saying for, for a year, listen, he's a criminal. He's corrupt. And he's going to, you know, find out and, and get penalized, I believe. But this is all because it was the Speaker Mattiello campaign. And I think this was a damaging uh, case for that, just for what came out. That here you have the Speaker has people followed surveillance on their home, their wives, their children, running for a rep seat in Cranston beyond the pale. But this business with the governor of Michigan, I'll tell you where this is so disingenuous. Good morning, America, this morning. George Stephanopoulos, they're interviewing the governor, and she's taking shots at the president. Well, the president said to liberate Michigan. If you watch and look at any of this plot of this militia where they wanted to kidnap her, <clears throat> excuse me, they wanted to kidnap the governor of Michigan and, and then maybe start a civil war. Folks, they're anarchists. Some of their videos are posted online. They have the big A behind them and a flag, and it's circled. And that stands for anarchy. Anyone that has watched me on Facebook Live, I've, I've shown that. When you see these, some of these anti-police groups, anarchists, that have an A-C-A-B, uh, and then the A is circled. Now, the nice word is all cops are bad, and then there's a more, you know, it's, it's just the way they refer to police, but instead they say something else. But when the A is circled, that is anarchists. These, this militia plot, in Michigan. These these are not Trump supporters. This business that the president won't decry white supremacy, if anything, this group in Michigan is far more aligned with Antifa, who are, wh what do you think they're doing in Portland? They're trying to destroy the government there and overthrow it. 
So this notion that, you know, the president, the governor's taking shots at him. But the fact that Stephanopoulos and Governor America, they don't even mention that these guys are clearly anarchists and anarchists are not in the Trump camp. If anyone should be disavowing the militia in Michigan, it should be Biden because that is more a left wing. Uh, and, and because it's guns, they think Republican, because they wanted to kidnap the Democrat governor, they think Republican, but it's the opposite. These Antifa nuts and folks, they are, they're nuts. They're crazy. They are the far, far, far left. These were not, these were, they're anti-government people. They want anarchy. They want to destroy the government. You listen to some of their videos are online. They, they demented the way they describe what they want to do, but they are no way aligned with President Trump. Zero. This is far, far left. Think more like Portland. But my point is, look at how ABC and Stephanopoulos, they completely leave that out of the equation. And instead, they continue to talk about the president and the president wouldn't condemn white supremacy and the Proud Boys and blah, blah, blah. Listen, as we've said, the Proud Boys didn't riot this summer. The Proud Boys didn't destroy businesses. The, the Proud Boys haven't instilled fear in the cities. The Proud Boys haven't destroyed New York City. That's all the left. That's Black Lives Matter. That's what that is. That's Black Lives Matter meets Antifa meets defund the police and anarchist. That's who's mixed in there. Completely disingenuous by Stephanopoulos and the rest of them and not uh, exposing that. All right, we're going to touch on that. We will talk about the president's going to be back on the campaign trail. This is all good news. We have uh, Tim Dodd. We're going to uh, recap finally the uh, the whole trial, just so you understand it. And then also Raymond Pigatori is going to, our uh, retirement Law enforcement experts going to talk about that incredible um, abduction in Providence that's just so frightening, folks, because these things could happen in the suburbs. That and a lot more right here on The John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508 336 7801 MEGA MEGA professionals 508 336 7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers that won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part time, full time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out, they send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today 508. 508- 336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession, MEGA professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508 508- Three three six seventy eight zero one. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. 
That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. This winter, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401 521 Make Henry Oil make the switch. Make Henry Oil your reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery company. 401-521-0200. Residential, commercial, fuel oil delivery, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. It's Henry Oil, serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Remember, with Henry Oil, automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. Check out their website, henryoil.com, or call them today, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil. Since 1947, they have a great family history, and they are just terrific. You can depend on Carmine and Lori and the great folks at Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Check them out online at henryoil.com. Residential and commercial fuel oil delivery service contracts, budget plans, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, it's Henry Oil. Call them 401-521-0200 this winter. I'm asking you to switch to Henry Oil online at henryoil.com. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. We we start at 11, we go till 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. Well, all week we have been uh, covering the Jeff Britt criminal trial involving money laundering. And with us is our legal expert, Tim Dodd. It is uh, day four is in the books and actually the defense rests. And Tim Dodd, although there was seemingly a little bit, it seemed high drama with Speaker Nick Mattiello coming in and his chief of staff, Leo Skenyon testified. And then Matt Jurzik, who was uh, working on the campaign, was an attorney for the speaker working at the state house. He testified as well, but in the end, I don't not convinced they got anywhere. No, John, it was a very strange day. It's been a strange trial. Um, as we've said before, um, anyone who tries cases, you can plan, you can predict how it's going to go. You can set up your witnesses. You can set up all your um, examination and cross examination, but somehow it never quite unfolds the way you think it's going to unfold. And I'm sure that Bob Carrente had in his mind the way this was going to lay out. And I'm sure that the result is not what he expected when they called their first witness in this case. Uh, today, um, they had all these the, the, the key witnesses. They had the speaker, they had Leo Skenyon, they had Matt Jerzyk. This was the big day that yeah. you know, they were going to score all their points. And the day ended not so much with a bang, but with a whimper. They didn't get anything. The, uh, the, the defense didn't really get anything out of these witnesses. Now, the, the defense might be frustrated in thinking that these three witnesses, you know, it was too easy for them to say, I don't remember, I don't recall, I don't remember that, I don't recall that. And to suggest that they're somehow laying up or lying or conveniently not remembering details, but they can't prove that the person is lying about not remembering. Right. 
So they're never going to be able to refer this for say, uh, suggesting, let's say, that any of these witnesses perjured themselves. There'd be no way to prove that. Um, this is four years ago. Um, this was a chaotic campaign. These were the high-level people in the campaign who weren't dealing with the day-to-day minutiae of everything that went on. Um, Britt was sort of a free agent to go out there and do his thing. Um, There was never any linkage made that any of the three witnesses today had any knowledge that Britt was handing out cash in exchange for checks. There was never any suggestion that any of these three made the suggestion to Britt hey, why don't you go spread around some cash so we can get some checks back to give to Shauna Lawton? Right. There's there's no linkage to any of that. No. Um, You know, um, the defense attempted to drone on with um, grand jury testimony, and the judge correctly kept stopping defense counsel. You can use a transcript from prior testimony if you're using it to impeach the witness, and that wasn't happening, or to refresh the witness's memory, that wasn't really happening. It was just the defense wanted to put this grand jury testimony into this case without any appropriate foundation. The judge very politely, very respectfully shut it down over and over. Um, I was even surprised, John, that the um, prosecution spent so much time attempting to cross-examine Matt Jerzyk and attempting to um, cross-examine Leo Skenyon. I mean, after hearing those guys on direct when they were called by defense, defense didn't really lay a glove on them. There was was really nothing for the prosecutors to um, dig into. At the end of the day, John, the the elements of this case are, did Britt launder money for an illegal purpose and fail to report what he was doing um, in the context of this campaign? And I think the answer is Shauna Lawton connected the dots, Teresa Graham connected the dots, and Victor uh, Pichette connected the dots. They've They've all got... Britt is the mastermind. He dreamed this thing up. He was the quarterback. He gave the cash. He got back the checks. Um, He told people how to do it. He told them what to say to the media. He told them how to lie to the Board of Elections. This was the total Jeff Britt production. And all of all of the witnesses and bringing in the speaker and making the trying to make it high drama. It kind of ended with a thud. It did. and the only way I think that um, Britt could have saved himself would have been by testifying. But as we've discussed, when the defendant testifies, he's going to get up on the stand. And what's he going to do? Say, no, I didn't give the cash. No, I didn't make those suggestions. No, I didn't tell people to lie. I didn't do any of it. Um, then he could be setting himself up for perjury because it, it's it's hardly a credible story that he would be putting forth. Right. So the fact that he has not testified suggests to me that the defense attorneys are putting all their eggs 
into the uh, basket of their motion to dismiss. They're going, mm. they're going to attack the applicability of the money laundering statute to the facts which were elicited during this trial. Uh, Carrenti has attempted to split hairs over the fact that if you read the language of the money laundering statute, that it doesn't quite square with the conduct that, um, that Britt engaged in. I, I think Bob has done a good job trying to split that hair, but I don't think um, the court is going to buy his interpretation of the statute. I just, I don't think it's there. Um, you know, he's also saying this is like dropping an atom bomb on an ant, which is very quotable. It'll probably be the headline tomorrow. It's very clever, but even though it's small dollars, even though it's a thousand to Graham and it's a thousand to um, Victor, Bichette. Bichette, yeah. it's still corruption. It's still yeah. fraud. Yes. Action. And whether it's a thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, when certain elements of the community are saying, why is the uh, attorney general putting on such a show about such a trivial amount of money. It's not the money, it's the conduct. And I think yeah. it's to try to chill others from doing similar things in future elections. Um, are, are they making an example out of Brit? Well, unfortunately for him, I think they are. It is small potatoes. Yeah. It's small potatoes, but the way that this type of conduct can erode public confidence in elections. And when we've heard about all the other seamy kind of things that went on in yep. this campaign and probably go on in many campaigns, um, I think it leaves the public with a very bad taste in its mouth about all of our elected officials. I mean, I would think, are they all doing this? Do they all engage in this type of shenanigans? We would all hope not. But when one of these cases pops up, the, the system, the state, the attorney general's office has to try to slap it down and make an example of it. Folks, we're speaking with uh, our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, on the defense has rest in this Jeff Britt money laundering case that has to do with the Mattiello campaign from 2016. Tim, I'll say this for speak of Mattiello. You want to talk about a, a cool cucumber. I was seated literally about eight feet away from him, strolled in, not a care in the world. Very confident, calm. Nope, didn't happen. Don't remember that. What did stun members of the media, Tim Dodd, is behind the scenes. So no one will exactly say him because that's how someone like Britt operates, that everything's on deep background and this is between us and don't say you heard this from me. But they certainly got the impression or led to believe that he's going to get up there and going to point fingers. And, you know, and then, you know, the speaker brought me into his office and he, you know, counted out you know, $2,000 on the table and then said, no, absolutely go ahead. Here's what we want you to do. And I mean, none of that played out. He didn't even, he didn't even take the stand. And you're right. It was the prosecutors that kind of gave Skenyon and Jurisic more of a hard time. And there is speculation about that, that we could speculate at another time. But uh, in the end, as much as it was the defense's turn, I can tell you as someone sitting in the courtroom, it, the defense remained one guy's charge, and they're trying to say, we know we did it because he already said I'm not going to be the fall guy. But, you know, everybody else here was knew about it. And look at this. And here's the name on a on email. And here they text me and said, how's the mailer coming? But in the end, there was there was nothing 
to that I saw that changed the narrative that the prosecution set in motion to get this get him indicted in the first place. Well, yes, and you're right about the speaker was a good witness. He was calm and collected. And I mean, I've had many cases, John, during the course of the trial, you know, somebody gets off the stand and says, gee, that wasn't so bad. And it's like, well, if if you're telling the truth, then it's easy to testify. If you're trying to keep your lies straight, then it's very difficult to testify. And I think Nick has legitimate deniability that he wouldn't have been aware of all of this, you know, um, street level sort of activity of his campaign staff about a little mailer at the end of the campaign from Shauna Lawton. I mean, Matt Jerzyk seemed very uncomfortable, but between he and Leo, sure. Okay. Jerzyk drafted some of the language for the mailer. Um, yep. Jerzyk was in contact with the default people about preparing it and coordinating with uh, default when the mailer was supposed to go out. Well, that's part of his job. That's what he does. Right. He was part of about what he said, 40 or so different mailers that he uh, assisted in creating and um, yes. disseminating. Just because he did that doesn't know, doesn't mean that he knows, excuse me, the source of funds or what Brit was up to. That linkage was never made uh, that either Leo Skenyon or Matt Jerzyk had any clue that uh, Britt was out there, you know, going rogue, giving out cash in exchange for checks. That linkage was never made. So it seems to me both of those guys, Leo and Matt Jerzyk, could also testify, um, you know, and and not be too worried about getting hit with anything uh, that would be real damaging because the facts were never there to prove that. The only way they could have at least introduced it to, to um, smear these people would have been if Britt got up and said, Leo told me to give out cash or Matt told me to give out the cash and I was a good soldier and I followed their orders. They wouldn't get right. it. Or they gave me the cash or they gave me the cash. Right. But even yeah. if he was saying I was a good soldier, I did what I was told, it wouldn't get him off the hook criminally But if this whole trial was to say, I'm not going to be the fall guy and I'm going to take others down with me, he never succeeded in doing that. No, that's an excellent point. And and Tim Dodd, when when someone says, and that's how it was set out, I'm not going to be the fall guy. I mean, I I think you heard some of this as well. We got the perception that he was going to kind of lay people out and really scorched earth as we talked about it. And in the end... You know, I, it comes down to Vic Pachette, who took to the stand and said, you know, Jeff Britt um, told me to come over to his house. I did. He told me what he needed me to do. He uh, he gave me a thousand dollars. I wrote a check to him. They had that. Mattiello wasn't there. Leo wasn't there. Jerzyk wasn't there. Shauna Lawton wasn't there. I mean, it just kind of. Yes, it seemed right there. And as much as the. You know, as much as attorney Bob Crenty, who I respect and did the best he could with the case, it seemed to kind of begin and end there. So all this business of of the fall guy, uh, he certainly didn't produce anything that that said, why don't you, you know, get the money from this or get a friend or something. I mean, I think the closest they came was supposedly supposedly Jerzyk was with him, with Ed Catunio, supposedly when. When he was saying, you're too close to it. What about your wife? But aside from that, there, 
I, as someone that sat there, I never heard or could link that anyone really knew what he was doing. And Matt Jersik even said, the reason I didn't do that is because this was a Jeff Britt operation. That's what he, how he described it. Yeah, and you, this was a non-jury trial, but many times when there is a jury and attorneys give opening statements, the worst thing can happen is the attorney makes an opening statement and tells the jury, you're going to hear about this and you're going to hear from this witness and you're going to hear these facts. And that's what you tell the jury you're going to hear. They're going to hear at the beginning of the case. And if you get to the end of the case and you've not established what you told them they were going to be hearing, the other attorney is going to stand up and say, attorney X told you at the beginning, you were going to hear from so-and-so never happened. Attorney X told you you were going to hear this evidence. You never heard it. So if you set something out at the beginning of the case and you tell the fact finder, this is what you're going to show, you darn well better show it or else it, the whole thing looks ridiculous. So here the defense has been in the media and their pleadings everywhere you look that Brit's not going to be the fall guy. No evidence showed he was the fall guy. All the evidence showed he was the quarterback and the creator of this yeah. whole scheme. So they never proved what they were crowing about at the beginning, which is kind of one of the worst things from a litigator's standpoint that you can have happen, that everything you claim you were going to prove, you don't prove. And in fact, in this case, they demonstrated just the opposite, John. You know what else I found interesting? And again, folks, to speak with our legal analyst, attorney Tim Dodd, is I think it also clarified more, if anything, uh, by calling Speaker Mattiello and by calling uh, Matt Jersik, but especially Mattiello, he crystallized that the whole one of the reasons they brought him in. I know this whole thing of you don't want him on the other side, but one of the things he was supposed to be doing, in addition to bringing in Coutinho with the mail ballots, but he was supposed to be getting Republican support. He came to them with he had run the Ken Block campaign against primary against Alan Fung in 2014. And and you could I, I think I'm not saying you need motive, but you could certainly see where someone who's, you, you know, you're supposed to be getting Republican support against Frias and for Mattiello. And it's not developing and it's a tight election. And I could see a scenario where someone like the speaker say, and his people kind of like, what are you doing? Right. Like you're not delivering. Where is all the. Republican support you're supposed to be drumming up for us. And then you dream up this scheme. What if we have Shauna Lawton, you know, more than just endorse him? I think she would have walked with him. I think she would have gone canvassing with him or gone to a press conference with him. But instead, they come up with the, he did, the mailer. And that's where then things really went off track. I, I think if it just been, I've agreed she's going to endorse you and she's going to appear at this event or go door to door. It may have happened, but as soon, as soon as the mailer hit, and when we've all heard now that, I'll tell you, uh, Tim Dodd, Kath, the name, the mention of Kathy Gregg certainly scared the hell out of all the campaign people um, as they put it on the front page. But that's where things then really seemingly went off track. Yes, and so in 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 my view, the only way that Britt is found not guilty is if Bob Carenti can, in his post-trial memorandum of law convince the judge by really parsing and torturing the language of the money laundering statute 
if Bob can torture the language and spin it and make, um, you know, suggested conclusions about the applicability of the money laundering statute to the facts of this trial, I think the only way the case gets dismissed, uh, which would result in this guy obviously not being found guilty, would be if the judge is convinced that somehow the money laundering statute does not apply, um, which would knock out the felony. I think the judge is likely to knock out the misdemeanor case anyways, because as I've said many times, uh, being familiar with the, that statute, it's a dreadful statute. I don't know how anyone gets convicted under that statute because it's so convoluted to attempt to um, codify and to prove exactly what the elements of the crime are. It's a terrible statute. So I think the misdemeanor um, is the most likely charge to get dismissed. I'm not so sure about the money laundering. Bob's going to really have his work cut out for him to convince the judge that this does not apply. And Kim Dodd, what about the fact that Speaker Mattiello, you know, he, vol he volunteered that he spent two, or they asked him 200000 on the campaign. He said it was basically because he's the speaker, like a statewide race. Does that help or hurt Brit? I, I took it as you, you can't just say this was some little, you know, rep race that didn't have any bearing. It, I think it kind of magnifies the, the seriousness of doing something. Yes, like and I think you're correct that when you bring up the issue of motive, which I don't think the prosecutors have to bother with, Britt was chasing a $10,000 bonus if Mattiello won. Yes. And he was trying to burnish his reputation by bringing a Republican to publicly endorse uh, the speaker and to do a mailer. Um, and had it worked, he could have said, well, I helped put you over the top. I got that Shauna Lawton mailer That's out right. there. So maybe he took a chance. Maybe he realized what he was doing was against the law, arguably. Or maybe he didn't really ever perceive that what he was doing was a felony. Um, I'll bet you he truly wouldn't have ever thought as he was doing that that he was committing a felony because it's such an oddball situation. It's not the normal thing you would presume is a felony. Um, it's not, and this is obviously not the normal way in which the money laundering statute is used to prosecute somebody criminally. It's, as the judge has said over and over, there's hardly ever been a case like this anywhere. There's hardly any reported case. There's one sort of arcane, tangentially relevant case that one of his law clerks found, but this is not the normal way a money laundering case proceeds with this set of facts. And uh, so, Tim Dodd, uh, from here on in, I believe Judge uh, Procassini said six to eight weeks, and then he could either summon everyone to the courtroom, he's arrived at a decision, he's going to take his time, or he could just issue uh, a written um, a written uh, decision on this. But if, if from what we have learned, apparently, uh, supposedly, the prosecution, they were saying they wanted Britt to do 18 months, and that was scoffed at, and they even said, I think Corrente even said, that's ridiculous, and da-da-da. Now, if he is, in fact, found guilty, and they don't kick the case and he is found guilty, I, I just, would, would Judge Procassini then say, six-month suspended sentence? I, I just... I mean, I, I thought it's supposed to be, you know, you, if you take the deal, you, you save the, the state the trouble of doing a trial and 
you don't have to go through that. And so you're better off. But I mean, can you again, we're, we're too far away because then there'd be sentencing. But I think you understand the gist of what I'm trying to say. I it seems like he's really rolled the dice. I think he's really thing. rolled the dice. But I mean, uh, I think about the case and I'm torn from the public policy side and, you know, keeping elections um, from getting into this sort of um, dirty pool, cash kickbacks, etc. I think the system has an obligation to, to make an example so that this sort of conduct does not go forward in the future. And I'm sure that's why the AG was offering yeah. such a harsh disposition. Five, 18 months to serve is, is extraordinarily harsh given like the gravity of what actually happened here. But if the judge were to say, yeah, I think that it's, um, this, the prosecution proved its case, I'll give the guy a year probation, that would probably cause an outcry in the good government world saying, you know, you got this guy dead to rights right. and you hardly slapped his wrist. So the judge jumping ahead, were he to find Mr. Britt guilty of the felony, it's going to be tricky to fashion a uh, sentence which takes into account the small dollar value of this case and the very peculiar set of facts that were presented to him during this trial set off against the public policy concerns. It's a tricky wicket for him, but he'll do a good job. Final question. Do you think, um, you know, and again, I think the speaker in some ways was uh, very strategic with some of the statements he did say, such as, you know, he did say, I regret the day I hired him. But he also said, you know, he had a reputation and he was out there and you wanted him on your side, not against you. If, if I'm a judge, this isn't some random unknown person. If I'm a judge and I want to set an example, this almost seems to be a high profile person that you would make an example out of. So you don't have some other political operatives rising that want to become like, oh, okay, that's the way it's done, you know, to try to imitate that. What do you, what do you think of the, the fact that he was built up that way? I, maybe he felt good hearing that at the defense table, but if I'm the judge, that's more, I'd be more inclined for almost a high-profile rule breaker. Yes, and the, that's the horns. Assuming the judge finds there's sufficient evidence to prove this guy's guilt, the judge is on the horns of a dilemma when it comes to sentencing. I mean, it really is a piddly case from a monetary standpoint, but it's a right. significant case because usually you don't catch people in the act during these political campaigns um, uh, getting involved in these kind of shenanigans, if you will. But it's more than shenanigans. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, something that happens during an election cycle. Uh, we're always trying to keep elections fair and honest with no underhanded illegal activity going on. Um, this is an example where arguably they may well have this guy dead to rights. So do you make an example of him and really mm -hmm. whack him at sentencing? Or do you take into account the small dollar value and sort of almost like I could really see this campaign or other campaigns doing this conduct without ever reflecting on the fact that it might be something illegal that they're doing. 
I, I'm sure if you put all these guys, sure. to the extent anyone knew about it at the time or after on a lie detector and say, did you think this was a felony? They don't say no. We would never occur to any of us that this was right. a felony. And I, I think that, yeah. you know, if Brit had gotten up there and said, in my wildest dreams, I never thought this was a felony. I, it's, it's, I was astonished when, you know, this all came crashing down on my head. I mean, that might have been something that would influence the judge to say, this, this guy really didn't perceive that he was doing something illegal. Um, maybe unethical, maybe sleazy, but not illegal. But, you know, he never articulated that. So the judge has nothing to um, rely on on that regard. If he's found guilty, sentencing is really going to be tricky, John. I, I wouldn't want to be the judge on this. Yeah. Mm. And Tim, also, I think something that comes into play that was not lost, and I'll say that, you know, they kept bringing up was this was not a blowout election. This was 85 votes. This was very close. And so you certainly could say, you know, as I think the prosecutors did, you're kind of playing with democracy in a high profile race with the most powerful person in Rhode Island, which is the speaker's race. And I think you kind of have a free pass because the speaker's saying, I didn't know this guy was doing this. I didn't like it. And I yelled at Leo when I saw the mailer, like, who, whose idea was this? And I didn't want this. And and so I think he's he's off into an island. But something that certainly never developed was. Again, since last fall, we've been hearing, you know, he was going to get up and name names and point this one. And then the speaker told me to do this and they you were giving him instructions and he was just being the loyal soldier and they hired him. And then now here he is the fall guy. And boy, that that did not pan out. You know what else, Tim Dodd, if he had gotten up on the stand and said, listen, Vic owed me, you know, he owed me money and he owed me a thousand dollars. So instead of giving it to him. I said, listen, instead of paying me, I want you to don't. I mean, there was something. I mean, just I just mean if he gave some kind of rationale or line for how that transpired. But he never no, took a stand. You know, the, 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 big, the big speculation was that the unsigned affidavit was going to really impugn uh, the senior staff of the right. Mattiello campaign that they had tried to shove this uh, affidavit down his throat and make him sign something that wasn't true. And he said, no, I won't because I've got my integrity or some such thing. All Leo had to say when he was asked the question is, well, I'm not sure that's the same document. So it never comes in as a full exhibit. They can right. never further examine him on it. And that's the end of that story. The only way to have discussed yeah. that affidavit further would have been through Brit. He could have got up and say, yep, that is the affidavit they showed me. And it was prepared by X and wow. it was brought to me by Y. And these threats were made to me if I didn't sign it. You know, I'm making up what he might have yeah. said on the stand and I wouldn't do it. Right. So the only way to get that affidavit in as a full exhibit would have been through Brit. And then he would have had to fill in the detail about how that was brought to him who brought it, why they brought it, what were the discussions. But yet again, that does not get Brit off the hook. So that was another play that might have brought others down or at least suggested others were in on the play, but it doesn't exonerate him for his conduct or for his involvement in what's arguably a felony. It's a very, very strange. Yeah, and... 
Yeah, and Leo Skenyon was actually very good on the stand, very calm, very matter of fact. Uh, not an, I don't believe he's an attorney, but um, that's exactly what he said. He said, this seems longer than the one. No, this, this looks different. And that was the end of that. He also then said, well, everybody got a disclosure. And then I just didn't yes, go which around was also them. a very compelling point. So, when he said that, it was like, oh, lights out. This yeah. is all done. <laughs> and then I'll just say one other thing. We, you know, Tim Dodd, we kept hearing that Britt had these text messages and Leo's involved and so forth. And then here was the, the um, you know, the text message. Uh, Leo needs to sign off on the mailer. He's like, okay, uh, which mailer? And, and which one? And, and okay, like, what, like, so what? So, so I was supposed to sign off on a mailer. I, I still don't know anything about the other thing. It, it just didn't seem to go anywhere. So, um, well, again, folks, uh, he's our legal expert, Tim Dodd. We will uh, follow this up then with wait for the decision. Tim, great Thanks, job. Take and uh, we'll talk to you again. MEGA truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508. 508- 336-2110-508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508 508- 336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA truck and trailer repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110. It's MEGA truck and trailer repair. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go till 2. AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, topetro.com. And if you ever miss some segment, you just go to the website, topetro.com, and then on the radio show, um, just scroll down. You'll find everything logged right there, almost in library fashion. topetro.com, brought to you by Mills Coffee Roasters. Click on the direct link. Folks, it's time for um, joining me right now is a retired law enforcement expert, Raymond Pigatori. And Ray, I want to start off with this uh, horrifying story this week. Young girl gets off a school bus walking and the surveillance video of this unidentified man at the time seemingly just pulling up, grabbing her, putting her in the car. Um, Thank God that this is is rare in in a child abduction. But um, what then took place after that seemingly was was just great police work. Well, John, uh, first and foremost, my my heart goes out to the family and the uh, victim. Uh, absolutely, uh, every parent's worst nightmare. Uh, it's something that we see on TV and never expect to happen this close to home. Um, but the advent of these uh, surveillance cameras, these ring doorbells, uh, the, the footage we're getting from all sources is uh, absolutely helping police in every aspect. Um, and they used it. The province police did a outstanding job. They can't get any more accolades from me and other members of law enforcement, um, th- to wrap up a case like this, uh, and a case of this, uh, magnitude this quick, it's just outstanding. 
and and can you take us through a little bit of of how it is that they apprehended the the suspects because what we had was she was abducted at three and then returned to the area sometime about an hour later um what, what can you tell us you know the police were talking with her and her family and she's nine years old and so they have to be very sensitive how they're dealing with a young child like this plus the family's obviously upset um why don't we pick it up from there? Well, I, I'm sure uh, the interviewing officers, um, they were uh, super professional on how they handled it. They may have brought in outside uh, uh, people to help them with the interviews uh, from the d- various state agencies um, to glean the information from a nine-year-old. And I, I again, I got to commend her for uh, the total uh recollection that she was having of the different Burger Kings and, you know, you're gleaning information of anything she may have. So once she said Burger King, you know, the Providence police are right on top of it. They're out checking, you know, hours of video per se, uh, when you think of all the Burger Kings that are out there and, and for the, them to be able to see first see the car on a surveillance camera and then to see it in line at the Burger King, pull the registration and uh, apprehend this individual while he's holding his own infant child. Um, it, it's just outstanding. But what the police would be doing is they would be talking to the girl, talking to witnesses, talking to the parents, maybe other people that got off the bus, bus drivers. I mean, they're talking to a lot of people at this point, and they're going through a lot of video footage. And in this particular situation, uh, the suspect, 34 years old, if he, he initially drove to a remote area where apparently the uh, assault took place, if he had just dropped her off after that, um, it, it certainly sounds like this would remain an unsolved case. But instead, the way I understood it, he, she, she told them that he took her to a Burger King drive through And as you say, they were able to get the surveillance. They were also, instead of paying cash, used a credit card. So now you have the car going through. You have the credit card. They trace it to the credit card, and then they're able to find exactly who it is. And it's one of those situations, um, uh, Ray, that you know you don't want to give criminals any ideas, obviously. But the the fact is, this happened and was able to happen. And if if this individual um, had not taken her to the Burger King, and or if he had not used a credit card, they would still I possibly still be an open investigation on this it could be an open investigation if he didn't uh do the things that you would uh alluded to however again once that videotape is out there of the initial um t- uh, the initial point when he abducted this child um they would have followed up on all makes and models of cars through the registry um again they have various techniques that they can use out there and uh, various tools in their toolbox that they're going to use. Uh, unfortunately, um, it does not sound like this individual, this suspect, uh, had a, a plan formulated. Uh, and if he did have a plan formulated, it wasn't the best plan that he used. Um, but uh, luckily, good police work uh, wrapped up. Uh, and again, now it's going to take its process through the court system. Um, the girl, hopefully she gets the counseling that she will uh, need. And um, I'm, I'm 100% positive that the Providence police 
We'll be working with the family uh, throughout this ordeal. And again, all the state agencies that are out there, they will be assisting this family. And they'll walk her through the whole process. You know, for a nine-year-old to have to go through this is, uh, you know, something that's going to stay with her for a lifetime. And every day we hear uh, throughout the country, there are there are hundreds, if not thousands, of kids that go missing. And some just run away, and others it's abduction. Sometimes it's abduct, abduction by uh, strangers, and sometimes it's family. But these are things that uh, in Rhode Island, thank God, they're uh, far and few between. Ray, the suspect is uh, married, uh, 34 years old, married, and even has an infant child, was holding the infant child when they got him. Now, this is someone that abducted a nine-year-old, literally in, in daylight, sees her get off the bus, pulls over and abducts a nine-year-old and then sexually assaults her. In your experience, how much of this, because a lot of times this, this, he doesn't seem to fit the profile of someone who would commit this type of crime. A lot of times uh, when, when, when someone thinks of a pedophile and that's what this individual is, they think of someone uh, maybe older, uh, you know, unattached. Uh, certainly I, I, how much is this, is that, or are there people that they're hiding behind this, this life of where they're married and have a young, young infant child, but, they're they're capable of 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 this oh we see it all too often out there uh people as you said do hide behind that false facade of you know married with kids that turn out to be uh super predators uh super uh, uh serial killers uh the beat beat um i i forget the uh, person out in the uh, west coast uh bkt or bkl uh killer he killed 30 some odd people, uh, Ted Bundy, the, these people are out there. This, this gentleman, this, we don't know at this point, this could not have been his first. I mean, there could have been other attempts or other, uh, ideas that he had may have, uh, other plans he may have formulated. We don't know what's going through his mind at this point. And hopefully, uh, they'll do an extensive, uh, investigation and who knows, it could lead to other cases that are out there. How cooperative, when, when police hear Burger King, how, how cooperative is a business like that? And then the same thing when they get a credit card, they have to go through a bank. Um, what, 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 what do the police use to get these companies? Because uh, they basically need them to drop everything and cooperate. But how, how does that work where the police take control in, in uh, demanding this type of information or access to it? Well, I, I've, in my own experience on uh, other type case, not other type cases, but other cases, um, these these companies are very uh, forthcoming with the information um, that they're going to provide for the police when it comes to surveillance. Uh, others may not be, and if that's the case, then the police have uh, the right to go for a search warrant. Um, once that search warrant's obtained. Then they can uh, seize that as evidence and, and take it from there. But uh, most of the companies, they are very willing, and especially if it's a high-profile case of this magnitude, absolutely. The banks, uh, they're very reluctant on giving out information. Um, you know, in, in the case I worked on with a murder case, uh, we had to get a subpoena to seize the bank records. And you know, that's just part of the process. Uh, we wouldn't want our information just... Uh, given out by uh, various companies at will. But, um, 
you know, once the legal process is used, so be it. It's a, you know, one more uh, step in the foundation of building this case. Ray, one final question on, on this case, and that is, um, you know, it was because of, I'm not sure what that surveillance tape was. It looks like someone had a surveillance camera set up either outside their home or business use at a ring doorbell. Now, as, as you said earlier, years ago, I mean, you just never had that. Do you think and do you encourage people that it's not the worst idea to install surveillance video camera outside of their home or business? Because think of the number of crimes that could have been solved if there had been. And the footage of this was as chilling as it was. If, if it doesn't exist, I, you, you don't have exactly what happened here. Uh, exactly. Um, years ago, this was unheard of uh, personal uh, surveillance equipment. Um, do I advocate for that? Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the more you can use to protect uh, your own property, I'm all for it. Uh, ring doorbells, it's just coming to mind. Uh, uh, cameras that you can buy at a uh, very, very low cost uh, to put up around your property. You know, that's just another way to protect yourself and to help the police if something happens. But years ago, to try to solve a crime of this magnitude, There'd be a lot of footwork involved, a lot of footwork. And then you, you know, all you're going is from eyewitnesses at that point. And then hopefully they're, uh, they're on the spot with the information they're providing. Um, a lot of people listening right now, they don't, they're thinking you're saying ring the doorbell. If you don't mind, just oh. explain what a ring doorbell is. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, a ring doorbell is a uh, one that has a, a built-in camera in it. And you can act- activate it from your uh, cell phone. Uh, you can actually watch the packages arriving at your house with notifications that you get from this device. Uh, there are other brands out there on the market, but this one just happens to come to mind right now. Um, and they're sold at all these, uh, you know, the Home Depots, the Lowe's uh, online. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's a tool to use to protect one yourself. If you're getting a package delivered to your, to your house, you know, we see these, uh, uh, porch bandits out there all the time stealing packages waiting for stuff to arrive this way you know it's there and you could have someone pick it up for you so yes it's a it's a great uh idea and it's it's a good thing to have folks quick break a lot more ahead our law enforcement expert raymond pingatori right here on the john DePietro show <laughs> 